Good evening. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Thank you for subscribing and following this episode. Today, I'm going to talk about is gluten the culprit of gut permeability? So it's a it's a very important topic, quite a difficult topic actually. I'm going to be deep diving into uh, some concept that can be um, quite scientific. But it's things that I've found and researched and I feel that I've got the obligation to talk about it. Because as you know, in functional medicine, uh, in our elimination diet where patient could have leaky gut or uh, gut permeability or intestinal permeability, we tend to start with gluten. So why gluten is such a big discussion? Is gluten the culprit of intestinal permeability? Now, it is uh, something still debatable, especially in patients who's obviously not getting a lot of symptoms. I would like to mention a few important facts, uh, which is what I'm going to cover today. What is the problem with gluten? Okay. And I'll be talking something, uh, uh, some condition related to, to wheat as well, what we call wheat intolerance. So let's start. So gluten is something found in uh, wheat, rye, barley. So gluten is a big name, yeah? And what I want to say is uh, there are a few things I want to talk about as well, about the genetic preponderance or the predisposition and what is the mechanism how these people become celiac. Now, gluten wheat related disorders, which is what we put under this big umbrella, can be divided into immune mediated or non immune mediated. Immune means your immunity uh, factor that actually influences some of the um, symptoms. So then, under immune mediated, we can divide into allergic type, which is food allergies or respiratory allergies or contact or immune-related under that, you've got celiac disease and other immune uh, autoimmune disorders. And under this, you have those with symptoms and those just with potential symptoms. Under mediated, you've got non-celiac gluten or wheat sensitivity. And so the second part will be the non-immune-mediated one, which is FODMAP, non-celiac wheat intolerance and other wheat-related disorders. Now, with allergies, uh, it's mediated by IgE type of condition, which obviously we mentioned before, like, for example, classic foot allergies, um, Baker's asthma, where Baker's are about 80 times more likely to develop occupational asthma than the average British worker and some of the reaction possibly to any of the wheat proteins. And it could be some of those proteins like the alpha amylase inhibitors. And quite often in Baker's asthma, uh, the pathology usually is because we are reactive. That person is reactive to the wheat germ agglutinin peroxidase or A 
LTP uh, protein. So these are the special um, proteins that could cause IgE type of sensitivity. IgE is it, it means immunoglobulin E. Okay, it's a it's a, a, a mechanism. Now, I want to obviously talk about this is because it's quite uh, revealing what what I found out because um, I didn't understand a lot of this. You know, when I do the test as a doctor, uh, I would just say, "Oh, yeah, you don't have celiac disease, and that's it." Patients free to just take gluten. Now, after understanding this, I realized that they are non-celiac gluten sensitivity or non-celiac wheat intolerance or sensitivity. So where they still get symptoms, but actually not the full uh, spectrum where we find the antibodies. So the mechanism of this, all these different types of categories are usually due to uh, different reasons, which I've mentioned earlier on. Wheat allergies is due to IgE type. It could be gluten or non-gluten proteins. And celiac disease and other autoimmune condition, usually gluten proteins uh, are found in wheat, barley and rye. And that person or that patient have got the antibody against those proteins. Again, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, they have got the uh, reaction to the gluten proteins, but they are not proven to be celiac. And the non-celiac wheat sensitivity in these people have got the non-gluten proteins in wheat and there are few certain types of proteins that is uh, supposedly uh, the antigenic type of protein. So now you must understand that wheat proteins have got many parts. Wheat proteins, you've got your gluten. Under gluten, you've got your glidins, alpha, beta, gamma, whey and glutenins, which is 80% wheat proteins. Now, you've got albumins, which is 10% of wheat proteins, and globulins, which is 10% of wheat proteins too. Now, the thing is, there are 50 T-cell stimulator epitomes. That means there are different, these 50 types or particular parts of the antigenic protein-like arrangement in the gluten proteins that can trigger off or exert um, immune reaction and it could be cytotoxic and it can cause cut permeating or cut gut permeability activities. And we know a lot of these epitomes is somehow mapped to these certain domains in alpha gliding. So gliding is quite a hard protein to digest. And within this part, the most immunogenic peptide in gluten, when I say most immunogenic, means that part of the protein or that peptide, they are just the part that cause the most reaction. Is the part we call the unique 33 mere gliding fragment. This has been well-known uh, part that is triggering celiac disease but also it's uh, also very resistant to, to the enzymatic de degradation, which means the enzyme in our body try to degrade or break it down. Uh, and especially even at the gastric, which is the stomach area, at the pancreas, uh, pancreatic level, 
or even the brush borders peptidases could not break down this protein properly. So then what happened is the enzyme called tissue transglutaminase or TTG leaks from those damaged intestinal cells because it's been damaged, especially in celiac disease. And also because the development of antibodies to this TG2. So hence, anti-TTG uh, assay or testing are now considered to be the most sensitive uh, markers because we're, we're measuring this leakage of this uh, molecule from the damaged intestinal cells. So you see what happened is in gluten, it is proteolytic resistance. That means it's it's is resistant to being broken down, so it's harder to digest. So in normal digestion, proteins broken down to individual amino acids or small, small chains. At most, intestine can only absorb a single amino acids or chains up to three to four amino acids. Now, these type of epitomes or these antigenic determinants usually contain eight to 11 amino acids, quite long. And especially... The gluten, the most uh, immunogenic fragment is the glutamine and proline-rich 33-myoglidin molecules. That's why this phrase from Professor uh, or Dr. Uh, Fasano, who mentioned about in his studies called the zonulin and its regulation of intestinal barrier function um, in, in one of the uh, journals called Physiology Review. And, and that's why this phrase no one can digest gluten. So what does it mean? So what it means is this type of prolamine class of proteins, they're very rich in amino acids, glutamine and proline. Now, these amino acids composition makes them highly resistant to complete degradation via the stomach or gastric, pancreatic and intestinal proteases, leaving these small peptides still intact. And when they're still intact, they become potential antigenic triggers. So they become uh, a foreign, like alien to our body if it leaks into our body system. So the gluten prolamines are like, for example, wheat, we've got the glidine. For rye, we've got the cicalins. And barley, we've got hordines. Oats, we've got the avenins. So all these uh, repetitive presence of this residual makes it uh, a preferred substrate of TTG. So hence, we use uh, the testing uh, for gluten sensitivity or celiac disease, which is the IgA, the IgA and IgG against the gliding and the tissue transglutaminase. So these are the parts that is interesting. And that's why when it's not broken down and resistant to degradation. So hence, it's so, so easy for them to be uh, causing a, a antigenic reaction where they becomes an antigen and causing uh, allergic or autoimmune condition in our body. So let me explain. So Dr. Fasano actually discovered the mechanism so in this part where we call the leaky small intestine, the picture is that you've got these indigestible gluten fragments. What happened is when the small intestine becomes leaky, in these people, the links known as the tight junction glue intestinal cells together, okay? So called zonulin. 
And in those celiac disease, um, those with celiac disease, the junction comes apart. They become big gap, allowing large amount of indigestible gluten fragments to seep into the underlying tissue and inside immune system cells. And treatments that reduce leakiness could potentially ease not only celiac disease, but also other autoimmune disorder involving unusually permeable intestines. So, of course, there are a few triggers. You've got the genetic predisposition, and then you've got the environmental triggers, which cause the altered uh, microbiome with gut inflammation. So you've got the intestinal permeability. So then you've got translocation, means the crossing over big molecules like the uh, lipopolysaccharides, food, gluten, uh, protein and then it causes uh, a systemic means the whole body in the site the body have immune response or reaction and then you make auto antibodies that means your body makes antibodies against uh, your own parts of the body so hence it needs the trigger we call the autoimmune triads which is genetic predisposition the environmental triggers and then the immune system exposure this is what happened. I'm not going to go into how it works because obviously it's better to have pictures to, to actually uh, describe. The most important thing is just imagine the bigger molecule of indigestible glutens pass through you know, your thin lining of your uh, gut cells in between or even go through the cells through translocation and it goes in and then it's uh, in triggering the T cells. And then the T cells produce cytokine uh, uh, messengers, which obviously call for more inflammation, create more inflama uh, inflammation and inflammatory processes. And of course, the T cells then make B cells that produce antibody productions. So hence... These are the mechanisms that happens in gluten or celiac disease. Now, as you know, there are also other proteins that causes that doesn't give us the, uh, the TTG positivity. Now, let's talk about the genetics in celiac disease. There's two, two particular celiac genes that have been mapped up, hence been highlighted, which is the HLA-DQ2 and DQ8. So more than 95% DQ2 and more than 7% DQ8. And uh, these people who patient who's got this genetic makeup are more susceptible. And they if they are being uh, exposed to leaky gut and have the exposure, then they could become celiac or could get the antibody uh, against gluten. So hence, they always say genes load the gun. The environment pulls the triggers. Yeah. So hence, it's important to understand. Now, the other thing that is important to understand is why are we getting more uh, celiac disease? Some say that it could be the modern wheat theory. But again, the studies have proven that it may not be. Because even the all wheat uh, germline uh, germ or wheat varieties also can have quite high gluten toxicity as well or antigenicity. Now, the other, the other 
uh, hypothesis is they think that it could be the way we process food, you know, and the microwave treatment of gluten. Or another hypothesis, it, it could be because of the pesticides that being used. You know, we're using more glyphosates, herbicides used, and also increasing nitrogen fertilizers. So they have postulated that that could be the reason why we're seeing more uh, gluten intolerance. Another possibility is it could be increased consumption, you know, that uh, the person are exposed to more. The dose matters. So the more they're exposed, the higher chance there is the possibility of forming more uh, autoimmune or autoantibodies. Okay? So the quantity do matters. So hence, the three factors involved is high level of gluten, infection in the GI tract, and the presence of naive gluten-reactive T-cells in the mucosal tissue. So these are the few things that we've mentioned. And now, I just want to say that um, if patients do have symptoms of IBS, uh, even though they don't have the DTG, they might still have uh, non-celiac uh, gluten intolerance. Okay? So hence, it's important just uh, as well in functional medicine, we talk about doing what we call elimination diet to see and then later uh, introduce one by one to see whether there's any trigger. So thank you for listening to this and I uh, hope I have um, mentioned some important nuggets uh, to talk about what is non-celiac gluten intolerance and why is it happening and how is it triggering and causing the immune reaction. So thank you for listening and if you have any more questions, please ask me at info at drirenecheng.co.uk. Okay. Bye.